Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. ever been king of a country? Have any of you ever thought maybe that you were king of your house? I don't know that you would ever admit this. King or queen, I guess I should say. Omnipotent ruler. Okay, okay, okay. We don't have to be entirely honest, but uh, this story, yes, about kings and leadership and history, the history of Israel, So I said last week, it can feel a little like, how does this apply to our lives, right? We are not kings, and the lessons about kingship uh, from this this history, eh, what, what about us? What about us little people who are not kings of nations? Well, I got at it. Maybe we are, though, kings of our houses. We are leaders in some facet of our lives, even if it's just us and the dog or the cat, us in our office at work, us at school, us with our friends. We, too, whether we want to be or not, are leaders meaning people who influence others. We do that just by existing, and again, whether we want to or not, we influence others all day long because we are in relationship with them. And so what does that look like? How do we relate to that leadership, that power, And what's our relationship to to control? That kind of comes up, too, when we have any kind of taste of power, right? Again, no need to, you know, confess right now. I'll confess for myself and for all of you. I like to be in control. Okay, I've never been a king, but I thought to myself this week, I do really like to do things all by myself, even though it's a very bad idea, right? I always get tired and crazed. But it's just so easy. No, not really. It's so fun being all by my lonesome in charge of stuff. Then I get to do what I want, right? Okay, that's my confession. Think about how it applies in your own life. Power and leadership. Okay, uh, the king, Rehoboam, clearly has some issues uh, with power and leadership. As I just was telling you all the story, he, the people came to him and wanted him to lighten their load. The old advisors said, this is a good idea. Listen to them. Listen to them and they will be loyal to you. Now, who knows if they really had mercy on the people and wanted, you know, what was best for the people, but they knew enough to know that it would be politically shrewd to listen to them. 
right? Okay. But Rehoboam, then um, there's some locker room talk. I don't know if you caught that about the finger and the loins. And okay, we don't need to get into that. But it's interesting if you go back and look at it later, you can kind of laugh at at the biblical text there and uh, what these guys are saying. So they say, no, exert your force, exert your power. You don't have to listen to them. And so he doesn't, which it doesn't take long for the consequence of that to be that they leave and the kingdom is fractured. So not very successful, right? It's like he was, I don't know, he wanted to prove something, you know. He had taken over for his father Solomon, and it's like he said, if Solomon did it, I'm going to do it even more. I've got something to prove, and I'm going to prove it. Forget all of you and what you want. I'm the king. It's me. Well, it doesn't end well, right? The kingdom fractures. And Jeroboam, who maybe could be better, he's kind of with the people, right, and helping guide them to ask for less labor and less taxation. But then when he's in charge, he goes and makes two golden calves, which recalls the story of Aaron making the golden calves for the people uh, when Moses is up on the mountain with God. That does not end well, and we don't hear the rest of the story, but Jeroboam is not remembered fondly, and this is kind of the first first step down that path, the golden calves. Maybe he's worshiping God with those calves. Some think, too, maybe it was meant to be a representation of where God would sit on the calves, but either way, he has not done what is right. And the history of Israel goes through all these leaders again and again and says, this is not good. Things are unraveling for Israel. And eventually, some years later, they will be fully unraveled and taken to exile in Babylon. So this issue, again, of power, we are not kings, but this story This history of exerting power over other people, even when it's a bad idea, it makes me think of our own relationship to power. And like I said, sometimes I secretly get a little into my own power and my own control. Maybe I probably don't look or sound like Rehoboam at all, but we all have that little thing in our hearts maybe that wants to be in control some. I remembered, too, when I was a kid, and maybe you had this experience, too, the intense feeling, um, I'm ashamed to say this happened several times, but there's a hierarchy in, in elementary school, right? And a couple of times, in order to look good for the cooler kids, I was cruel to those who were less cool. You know what I'm saying? Cool. So it's sort of like this hierarchy that we're ranking through, and instead, in trying to uh, come out from the power power that others had over me, I took it out on others who were smaller, littler, more vulnerable than I was. 
happened a couple times. I remember, too, the intensity of the shame and the guilt I felt afterwards. But that desire to not be at the bottom of the heap, to not give up my standing, was really strong. Adults, maybe we're sort of less out of that immediate, visceral, pecking order of elementary school, or God forbid, junior high and high school. But still, as I said, what in our own lives is our relationship to power and control and our relationships with others? Do we even subtly try to control other people? Sometimes this happens even emotionally, like emotional manipulation is a form of control over others, even if it's not powerful or forceful. We maybe try to be like Rehoboam more than we think, or maybe we're like Jeroboam and so insecure about who we are that we try and, you know, have these elaborate schemes. Let's make these golden calves. Let's put them up and see what happens so the people won't go to Jerusalem. What do we do in our lives? Because we are afraid that people will not listen to us. What do we do to keep things the way that we want them to be? Now, the lesson, I think, from the scripture is don't be like Rehoboam. Don't be like Jeroboam. Instead, think about how God would have us think about power and relationships. The focus scripture in your bulletin is um, not the full text that we heard. Um, the, it's the alternate text for today, but we are reminded of Jesus who said that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Servant leadership. Again, not really what Rehoboam or Jeroboam are doing, but for us, what does it mean to be a servant leader? Not to be a doormat for people, I don't think, but unlike Jeroboam, to be secure in who we are and to put others' needs above or alongside our own. It's like if you've ever dealt with children, whether being a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, or just babysitting, you know that feeling when the kid is crying or hungry and you also are hungry or have to go to the bathroom or something like that. Okay, this is immediate in my life. It happens all the time, almost every day. The surrendering of yourself and putting yourself second. How can we do that in our daily lives? How can we serve others the way that Christ has served us? Someone on Facebook shared a story a while ago, someone local, about how when she was in uh, third or fourth, fifth grade, fifth grade, she presented her coin collection at school during show, show and tell. During lunch, it disappeared from the teacher's desk, and she was devastated. 
Now here's the cool part of the story. 24 years later, the thief, who took it, reached out to her on social media with an apology and a request to return it back to her. It's never too late to repair or say you're sorry, she says. What a beautiful, small, but really meaningful thing. 24 years later, to return the treasured thing and to repair what had been broken. As servant leaders, I think we are called to be repairers, to repair what's been broken in our families, in our lives, in our friendships, in the places where we find ourselves, where we have power and influence, which again, we all do somewhere in our lives. So think about how you can serve, how you can lift up others, how you can be the repairer this week. God calls us to serve. Amen.